Hey everyone, welcome back to Muggle with a Mic. A few things before we get started on this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Muggle with a Mic. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. On this episode, we are fortunate enough to have Nick Reynolds back with us. Nick is currently teaching and acting for the camera class at York College in Queens, New York City. He is still auditioning for many roles. You can check out his latest role as Grandfather Rooster in the fourth season of Search Party on HBO Max. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Nick Reynolds NYC. All right, quit talking, Katie. Let's get into the episode. Everyone wants to hear Nick, not me. Here we go. Welcome everyone back to another episode of Muggle with a Mic. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the television show Parks and Recreation, and I have a, another very special guest with me. You all know him. He's been on a previous episode. I'd like to welcome back Nick Reynolds. Hi, Nick. Hey, Katie. Thanks for having me back. I love this. I love that you're back. I love that you agreed to come back, and I'm so super duper excited to be talking about Parks and Rec. How did you get introduced to Parks and Rec? I had heard of it, but I, I got into all of these these popular shows late just because I'm just in general, uh, I'm a late bloomer. And we were watching, my wife, my now wife and I were watching a DVD of The Office. Do you remember what DVDs are? I can explain it to the I, audience if, uh, no. Yeah, okay. aren't they like circular? Yeah. Yeah, you use them to throw at people and ninja stars and... <laughs> But uh, there was a there was a bonus episode of Parks and Rec on one of the Office DVDs, and it was from season two. It was the hunting trip, and I, I I came into it completely blind and just thought this was phenomenal. I thought Amy Poehler was uh, just as much a genius at at what she was doing as uh, what Steve Carell was doing with Michael Scott, and I I was in love with Parks and Rec instantly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when see, you'd mentioned one episode and I'm thinking of 12 hilarious things that happened in that episode. Ron gets shot. He wants to know who shot him. Nobody wants to tell. And then he drinks, what is it? He drinks whiskey or something. And then Anne says, no, you mm. got to throw up right now. You shouldn't be drinking that. The, the, specifically, the part for me is when the ranger refuses to believe any of Leslie's <laughs> stories about what actually happened. So Amy Poehler, the comedic uh, actor, goes on this improv rant about, you know, I was wearing a bra that snapped in the front and it popped open <laughs> and, ooh, I saw something icky and just like her genius was on full display in that moment. <laughs> oh, no, I love her so much. I, I, She just seems like an amazing person and talented actor, to just be able improv. What's your take on that with improv? How I, I mean, it looks super easy, but I know it's super difficult. It is super difficult, and it's um, you know, everybody knows kind of the basics of what improv is, and it's normally two people or more, and the main rule is always say yes, which is for if that doesn't make sense to you, saying yes just means we keep it going, right? Whatever we're doing, we mm -hmm. go and we build and. We can steer different directions if we have to, but we never we never throw a rock in the middle of the scene. We never say no. And I think when you combine actors that have the ability, uh, comedic actors that have the ability to go with the flow and to be present in the scene, if you combine that with phenomenal writing, that seems mm -hmm. to be the recipe for some of the best shows that have been on television in you know in the last twenty years, anyway. Absolutely. No, that, that's where the magic happens. There's magic that's written on a piece of paper, and then there's just magic that happens in the moment. Absolutely. You got to put the right, you know, it's all a recipe, right? You got to put the right people on screen with the right people off screen, give them ample opportunity, and um, and you see, you see what the fantastic final product is. A recipe that's pretty similar to The Office, I think. So speaking of that, so a lot of people compare Parks and Rec to The Office. And at times I think that's fair. And then at times I feel like that's unfair. What are your thoughts on that? 
no, I, I agree. I think at this point in time, it's pretty well known that the concept of Parks and Rec was originally thought of as a spinoff to The Office, um, Rashida Jones' character being the through line. And I think that was really early mm-hmm. on that they thought that and they abandoned that pretty quickly. But you can tell the format is the same. It's the mockumentary, which I know we're going to talk about. It's um, mm-hmm. straight characters and funny characters. It's um, a, a, a lot of you know smart people, a lot of foolish people. And mm-hmm. I think early on, yeah, you would certainly put it in the same genre, same television genre as The Office. But of course, for all that it has in common, it's got 10 times as many things that are that are different. And uh, I know that we talked about this before we started recording. I know you are conflicted on both shows, but I enjoy both of them uh, equally. Yeah, no. So I it did come to me differently than other people. I actually was a Parks and Rec fan more and then became more of an Office fan. But they're both they're both uniquely different and equally funny. But so you mentioned the mockumentary. And a mockumentary is a type of film or television show depicting fictional events, but presented as a documentary. These productions are often used to analyze or comment on current events and issues by using a fictional setting or to parody the documentary form itself. Some examples of that in a movie form, um, the movie Bernie, which I love that has Jack Black in it, um, Borat, District 9, and then some television shows, of course, The Office and Parks and Rec, and also Modern Family or Reno 911. So one of the main things of a mockumentary is the actors breaking the fourth wall, which basically means they look directly into the lens of the camera. What are your thoughts on breaking the fourth wall as an actor? Well, as as an actor and as a comedy lover, if it works, it works, mm-hmm. you know, Um I, I think at the end of the day, if it's funny to you, the the specifics uh, aren't what attract you to something. But yeah, in terms of breaking the fourth wall, um, well, for starters, I think the mockumentary, I think what we like about the mockumentary, and let me say that I am a professional unprofessional. So these are just, <laughs> these are my opinions. Um, I think that they confirm for us that in fact, nobody knows what they're doing. I, th- I think we all have this this fear, right, that we're the only ones that don't know what's going on. But then something like a mockumentary lets us kind of look beyond what we are told on the surface, lets us see how people really think. And, w- and it's it's a comforting fact that, mm-hmm. oh, they just want to go home too. Oh, oh, they hate that guy. Good, I hate that guy too. Yeah. Kind of like... Um, <laughs> It, 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 the mockumentary combined with breaking the fourth wall lets us in on the joke, right? It makes us involved. <laughs> it makes us complicit because television is the most personal medium, right? Um, stage mm-hmm. and movies happen above you and in front of you and you have to get dressed up to go to them and they are events. Whereas most of us for the last year have been watching TV in some very comfortable situations, very, very, um, you know, limited clothing for most of us. So these these are the people that are in our house with us. How mm-hmm. could it get more intimate than to have these people talk directly to us? Yeah, no, it, it makes it feel more real. It, you're, you're totally right in the fact that we become a part of the show by them including us into the show. Absolutely. I know like as a, uh, as a zennial, I refuse to think of myself as a millennial, as a zennial, the, the first <laughs> the first experience I had with people breaking the fourth wall was MTV. It was, um, the real world. And that like oh, yeah. the the real world kind of, you know, it, it, for, for if there's anybody out there that doesn't know what the real world was, it was strangers. <laughs> I don't remember the tagline. Yeah. I wish I could. This is the true story. True story. Seven strangers <laughs> picked to live in a loft and have their lives taped find out what happens what when people stop being polite could you get the phone and start getting real the real world strangers (laughs) living together in a situation in some big city and all of their drama but they had confessionals right they they were the first that was the first program i ever saw that had confessionals where somebody would go and 
you know, there was a lot of crying, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of nonsense that way, but it made it, it just made it so personal. That was the only reason it worked. Uh, I I think. Absolutely. No, you're totally right. Because then those viewers, you know, we are a part of something the rest of the cast of the real world doesn't know what that person said in the confessional. You're absolutely right. It it brings you in as a part of that household. Yeah, I I think if I, because I've grown up to be a person that loathes reality television, I don't think I could do it anymore. But if it's a mockumentary, <laughs> I'll eat it up with a spoon. Speaking of eating it up with a spoon, one of the few reality shows I can really watch right now is the Great British Baking Show. I will say that if if you if I had to pick one, gun to my head, it would be that show specifically. There's just so much <laughs> since the first season. Since what's his name says, I don't have a clue, not a Scooby Doo. I said, oh, this is <laughs> the greatest show that's ever been on television. Actually, so. Yeah, there's so much heart. There's not all this Americanized backstabbing and drama and we'll be back after this break. It's it's just some lovely people baking. Absolutely. And and when you need help, that person comes over from their little cubicle, cubicle and helps you. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so there we go. We've got uh, a total awesome take on the fourth wall and i totally agree with you it does it brings you into the show i did want to tell you too katie yeah go uh, for it sorry i, I don't when comparing the two um mm-hmm. i i work with a lot of other actors in my survival job and professionally and anybody i've ever met that dislikes the office who enjoys comedy always comes back to the same thing and it's that um they can't handle michael scott as as the cringe factor that he brings and i completely understand that i think that you know you can enjoy the office and and that's the whole point it's almost absurdist theater uh michael scott being what he is so i I, i've learned to accept him and like him but i know that so many people are just like i can't do it michael scott's too much right well and when, to, to people who feel that way, you have to you have to get through the first few seasons because unlike The Office, you, you I feel like you immediately love Leslie Nope, and but Michael Scott is completely different. But if you get through that, you actually see why he's so cringeworthy. You realize that he just he has no friends outside of work, and his work is his family. That's his family, and he just wants to love and hang out with them. But you have to take several seasons to understand that. But no, he's totally cringy. That um, what is the uh, um, what's the scene where they have the cards on their head? Oh yeah, that's that's from the first season. Oh, that's yeah, that's mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> that's awful. But yeah, that, like that whole scene, the, the, it's kind of universally acknowledged in the Office fandom that Scott's tots. That episode is unwatchable. No. The episode where where he <laughs> promised the scholarships to the kids and then doesn't doesn't deliver. It is, oh my god! If you're a masochist, that's your episode. <laughs> Leslie Nope never did anything close to that. If you get through that that episode with no feelings, uh, then you you need to <laughs> you need to figure out why. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so. Parks and Recreation. I'm going to do a little synopsis of the show and a little bit of uh, who's in it and everything, and then we'll get into our favorites and little tidbits about the show. So Parks and Rec, Leslie Nope, a mid-level bureaucrat in an Indiana Parks and Recreation Department, hopes to beautify her town by helping local nurse Ann Perkins turn an abandoned construction site into a community park. However, what should be a fairly simple project is hindered at every turn by oafish bureaucrats, selfish neighbors, governmental red tape, and a myriad of other challenges. Leslie's colleague Tom Haverford, who delights in exploiting his position for personal gain, is as likely to undermine her efforts as to help her, while her boss, Ron Swanson, is adamantly opposed to government in any form, even though he's a bureaucrat. And the show is created by Greg Daniels and Michael Schur, which we know they were also involved in The Office. And it stars, here we go, it stars all of these people, Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Pratt, Aziz Ansari, Rashida Jones, Adam Scott, and Rob Lowe. So after 
stating all of those characters or actors, um, Nick, who is your favorite character of the show? It is so hard to pick a favorite, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the easy road here and say that that I honestly think Leslie is my favorite character. What Amy Poehler did from season one to two, which happens with a lot of shows, right? Sometimes the first season is rough. We don't know. We're kind of testing it out as it goes. Um, she made some changes, uh, made the character even better, even funnier. I, I'm I'm just in awe of how how good and original a character Leslie Nope ended up being. And I know I know there was a lot of help, but I have to give most of the credit to to Amy Poehler. What about you, Nick? I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I just love her so much. Her character was so refreshing. Um, this person who is actually the the not the director of the program. She's the deputy director, but that doesn't stop her. She does everything in that department to better her her community um, and her town. And I, the way Leslie's just so lo- lovable, and and she's only like that because of Amy Poehler. I don't think anyone else could have pulled that character off the way that she did. Um, She's just a good-hearted person, and I want to be her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even even her faults are not that bad. She's she's not a perfect person. Certainly, she gets caught up in her own ego from time to time, but she admits it, you know. And uh, the relationships she has with the other characters in the show uh, only make her a, a better person. And her drive, like her drive, will make anybody feel lazy. Absolutely. Could you imagine a world full of Leslie Nopes? We could not not achieve any obstacle we tried because she just, she put her heart and soul into everything, even if it was just picking, you know, the color of tabs in her binder. (laughs) Yeah. My my wife's got a little uh, Leslie Nope in her. I would say personally, I have 1% maybe to put the part that likes sugar. (laughs) That's about it. So if if you were a character in the show, who would you m- most resemble? Oh, I, I, Ron Swanson, probably. My my uh, my grumpiness and cynicism would definitely be. I think we're, there's a lot of Rons out there, but uh, I, I would definitely be Ron. But then again, you need the Rons of the world to balance out the Leslies, I guess. So that's it's all about Star Wars. It's all about the Force. You need balance. Absolutely. That's what that I that's another reason I think people like that show is there's a yin to everybody's yang on that show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now speaking of yin and yang, um, who who's your favorite character relationship? I mean, as much as I loved watching Andy and April get together, which I know mm-hmm. was not a planned thing from the beginning of the show. It kind of evolved and and became that and and you know, they were another perfect complement. Uh, I'll take the easy answer here again, and I will say that Leslie and Ron's relationship is at the heart of this show, because even though, like, Leslie is always the one instigating this, um, she helped Ron just as much as he helped her. It's not a father-daughter mm-hmm. thing, right? It is It is a friendship relationship. And um, to see, like, you know, genuine friendship like that was another maybe you don't even realize how refreshing it is, but that was, that was my, one of my favorite things about the show. I'll, I'll have to say, I don't know. It's one of my favorite, my, my favorite was Ben and Leslie, of course, but um, I also like the relationship between um, Tom and Ron because Ron could have just given up on Tom, but he kept trying to try to help him become a better person by, you know, toning down, it's all about you, Tom. It's not all about you. And eventually in the end, I felt like it paid out, it paid off because he straightened him up and it, now we have Tom's bistro. No, absolutely. That one is a little more father-son, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the fact that that Ron, as much as he pretends he doesn't care, certainly he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. He cares where his gold is hidden. That's what he cares about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, which season was your favorite or season or episode? Um, what would you say was the most enjoyable period of time in the show? Um, I don't know what the what the universal answer would be here. For me, it's season three. Um, okay. 
you know, I think with a lot of comedies like this, maybe one or two seasons, they're figuring out what works and finding their footing. And then about three and four is the sweet spot, right? And uh, mm -hmm. three for me has one of everybody's favorite episodes, which is The Fight um, and Time Capsule. Uh, I love mm -hmm. both of them. The, um, I love The Fight because of everybody, you know, when everybody gets drunk and when Leslie argues with Anne, like it, that's them, that's that cast at their funniest. Uh, in, mm -hmm. in my opinion and certainly that's not just my opinion I think that's a pretty popular opinion and then I love Time Capsule because not only does it have Will Forte in it who is my favorite SNL cast member of all time there I said it um, <laughs> but it's got it's got a town hall meeting and anytime there is a town hall meeting that is my favorite thing um, on television oh yeah that's the one where he he wants to twilight in the time capsule right Yes. And he argues with the two people, one who think one one who thinks it is too Christian and the other that thinks it is not Christian enough. Uh, there's the guy, the chanting guy who wants his cat's ashes to be put into the time <laughs> capsule. Um, the woman who wants the autobiography of David Lee Roth to be put in there. And, and, and it's another one that showcases Leslie's need to please. Right. It went from one time capsule to like nine caps, time capsules and then back to two. <laughs> And and they still got it all in because they put the DVD kids the DVD of the of the town uh, the council meeting in there. Yeah, when they dig it up, they'll have to research what a DVD was at that point. Be like, what are we supposed to do? Is this currency? I'm not. I don't understand. This is a funny mirror. I don't know. <laughs> With a hole in the middle. Why? Why would they do that? Yeah. Oh well, my my favorite episode is from season three and it's episode two flu season which i think that episode is genius i cannot watch that without laughing especially when leslie confuses the chamber of commerce with the chamber of secrets from harry potter <laughs> when she when she finally gets up at the end and i don't remember what she says she's like allow me to bow am i not bowing they're like no, no. <laughs> oh and she says i have it here it's when at the very end of that episode, she was delusional, I believe, from the flu medication. Yeah. And she gets up there and, uh, oh, Adam Scott, uh, ben. ben. Ben does not think she's going to be able to talk, but she insists, I'm going to go up there and I'm talking. Don't you stop me. And when she gets done and she speaks really fluently and then she gets off the stage and Tom is talking to her and she just says, was I a tiara when I came here because if you happen upon it, would you have Lady Pennyface retrieve it and send it post hence? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. She's so good. Oh, I don't know. How would that be? I mean, it seems like a, it seems like a fun environment to be working on a set like that where you're just you know, joking around all day. But I don't know if I'd be able to get things done. I just be laughing all the time. How do you get in a mindset where you can just, you know, stop laughing and do your line that's supposed to be funny? Well, I, I mean, the more you read about Parks and Rec, the more you see they did hours, sometimes days worth of episode footage. Like it took them a lot of time to record this stuff. I don't think that's because they were laughing all the time, but I think you know, actors go one way with it. Actors try it a different way. I know they, they famously would do fun runs at the end, which is where they got what they needed. They said, all right, here's a take or two for you to do what you think is funny. And the actors even admitted that those were not the takes that were used most of the time because the, the writing was so good. But it comes from a place of being comfortable. You know, obviously these people are naturally funny and they have fantastic writing to work with and then they're not being asked to do you know they're not um an athlete who's being asked to do heart surgery right they're some of the funniest people in the world who have been given great lines and they they step up and they knock it out you know mm, absolutely they're just so funny well so my favorite season by the way is season four which involves the whole uh 2012 campaign it, it includes episodes like the smallest park campaign ad, bowling for votes, Jerry's 16th birthday, 
Um, and also the, oh, the model UN episode and also the, the scene where, um, they're on the ice rink and, you know, I think it's Gloria Stefan, get on your feet is playing. (laughs) (laughs) They keep falling on the ice. We're all going out together. Let's give this crowd a show. Go. Go. I couldn't afford enough premium carpet to get us to the stage. I mean, it was a short walk, but it was pretty luxurious, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet that one has uh, a bunch of outtakes, too. I'll bet there's no way they could have gotten through that in a couple takes. <laughs> oh, and Ron sets champion on the ice, and April's like, no, Ron, he has three legs. You can't set him on the ice. <laughs> does that? Does season four have the end of the world? Yes, I believe it does. That's yes. another that's another one of my favorite episodes. Okay. So, um we've done our favorite season and some of our favorite episodes. What are some of your favorite quotes, lines, or scenes? Oh my goodness gracious. Um, uh, let's see. Where, where to start? Uh, my favorite <laughs> quote comes from one of the town hall meetings, actually. And it's in season two. It's when they are um, debating the the health benefits or lack thereof of Sweetums. And one of the townspeople mm-hmm. gets up and says, but isn't all food bad for you? I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years, and I feel terrible. <laughs> I, I laughed for 10 minutes the first time, I, first time I heard that. That was another thing that I was like, oh, this show is too good. <laughs> and that's season two. So people have to also, I mean, these are the office people. They're, they might be missing out on this because it's only the second season. But I mean, yeah, you're you're right. The writing is just superb. She's great. She comes back and is bothering Ron one day and said that. Excuse me. There's a sign at Rampsit Park that says, do not drink the sprinkler water. So I made some tea with it and now I have an infection. <laughs> like... It's so it's so good. It's very Simpsonsy, right? The Simpsons was yes. very good at any time there was a town scene that you know it showed how fickle people can be. But I would say my other favorite quote, and it's a little blue, but uh, is from John Ralphio when um, he meets Ben in the mall after Ben is looking for a job. John Ralphio, how's it going? It's going good. I'm actually right here for an appointment, getting a Brazilian. By the way, there's a woman over there that is unbelievable. Her name is Kim. When she rips it off, she smiles and it makes you feel things. (laughs) Throw my name, I get a referral discount if you don't mind. Okay. I'm going to tell you something that I once heard from a very, very smart woman named Kim. The lady who waxes you? She told me, if you don't love what you do, then why do it? Then she ripped the hair from my beehole. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> oh, oh, Jean Ralphio, and that's Ben Schwartz. Uh, he's hilarious. Um, I think he was originally supposed to be uh, one of Leslie's love interests, and then they said he was too young for her, so he became Jean Ralphio. And I just think it—I don't think there's any character on any other show that's like him. That's no, you're right. And uh, let me hopefully this would be my first and only tangent. Let like Parks and Rec be a lesson to all actors in that showing up and doing a good job and, and being yourself and showing your talents is never a bad thing, because if it doesn't work out right now, it'll work out later. This show is littered with people who auditioned for a different role or auditioned for a different show or just like, I think famously at this point, there was no April Ludgate, a different casting director from this show saw Aubrey Plaza and told Mike, sure, you got to put her in this. She's so weird. (laughs) So, I mean, it was only a matter of time before Ben Schwartz became Ben Schwartz. Absolutely. And he's, he's a genius 
a comedic genius in his own because I have you watched the Middle Ditch and Swartz on Netflix? Not yet. Oh, that's that's where I don't really I mean, we're not exposed to improv around here, but that I, I watched that and it's just it's so entertaining and it's amazing how everything they're coming up with is just in the moment out of their minds. Yeah, I mean there's there's some really phenomenal improvers uh on television right now and their shows are all funny. I did I did want to ask you, Katie, before you told me your favorite quotes, do you know the story about the um the funniest line that was never written? No, tell me. Um they did the whole cast did a um an interview a couple years back in LA at the Paley Center. And Mike sure admits that most of the time, yes, the cast was using the lines written for them. But he said the funniest line, he, this is Mike Schur saying this, the funniest thing he's ever heard was an improv that Chris Pratt did. And it was when Leslie was getting sick and he looked at his computer and said, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems. <laughs> I know when that happens. And he's so sincere. The way he's he's pronounces connectivity is even hilarious. I mean, that's the type of thing that makes a career. That is so funny. People people can't dream of being half that funny. That's that's just too good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's like Maybelline. Maybe you're born with it. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have favorite quotes? So I have a few. Of course, my first one was the from the um, well. My first two were from flu season, which was a uh, you know Lady Pennyface and uh, the Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce. Mm-hmm. But then I also love most of them are Leslie's. The one is I would like to be president someday. So no, I've not smoked marijuana. I ate a brownie once at a party in college. It was intense. It's kind of indescribable, actually. I felt like I was floating. Turns out there wasn't any pot in the brownie. It was just an insanely good brownie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, oh, I have them written out here. Um, again, it's this is Leslie. <clears throat> we need to remember what's important in life. Friends, waffles, and work. Or waffles, friends, work. It doesn't matter, but work is third. I wouldn't even put work third, but I agree about the first two. <laughs> And then finally, uh, Ron Swanson. The less I know about other people's affairs, the happier I am. I'm not interested in caring about people. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. Yeah, there's too, there's too many. There's uh, I, I didn't want to just sound like a 12-year-old kid on here after my John Ralphio quote, but I also love when Leslie <laughs> is mad at Leslie Carlisle or, or Lindsay Carlisle Shay and says, I don't proclaim to be a stupid fart face. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's funny. No, you know, sometimes we need that in the immaturity is necessary yeah. um, because sometimes just people take things too seriously and you need moments like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we got through our funniest quotes are there any moments that you can think of? For me, one of one of the funniest moments I think is when Ben had to break up with Leslie, but no nobody knew, and it was treat yourself. And so uh, Tom and Donna took Ben out to try to treat himself, and he bought himself a pair some pairs of socks. And they said, "No, you have to treat yourself." So he goes and he buys a full on Batman suit. <laughs> And they said, whoa, this is a whole new level of nerd. <laughs> so good. So so heartwarming that they would, as reluctantly as Tom did it, like take Ben under their wing a little bit. That's, you know, another mm-hmm. good example of the heart that show really has. But we have to talk about, uh, sorry, another tangent, how no, go for Park, it. Parks and Rec introduced two things into the lexicon, right? Into the world in general. And if you didn't watch Parks and Rec, you might not know that there was no treat yourself before Parks and Rec. And you know the other one, right? Help me out. Galentine's Day. Oh, that's true. 
I mean, Galentine's Day is huge. Yes. And, and, no, it's a real thing now. Yeah. And that's the, I, as far as I know, you tell it's something. Tell me if I'm wrong. Those were both Parks and Rec uh, inventions. Absolutely. No, when Treat Yourself came out, my sister and I had jokes about it all the time. Um, I, I wouldn't buy something in the store and you'd be like, treat yourself. <laughs> and we would have never said that had it not been for Parks and Rec. There's a phenomenal coffee shop across the street from us. And, you know, we try to be good and make our own coffee. But every every now and then we open the window and it blows in and we're like, all right, we're going to treat mm. yourself. <laughs> strategically placed coffee. window huh yeah i would i would say one of one of my favorite moments is from a cold open mm-hmm. and it is when uh there's the broken coffee machine so who broke it i'm not mad i just want to know i did i broke no it no you didn't tom don't look at me look at ben what i didn't break it huh that's weird. How'd you even know it was broken? Because it's sitting right in front of us and it's broken. Suspicious. No, it's not. If, if it matters, probably not, but April was the last one to use it. Liar, I don't even drink that crap. Oh, really? Then what were you doing by the coffee cart earlier? I used the wooden stars to push back my cuticles. Everyone knows that, okay. Jerry. Okay, let's not fight. I broke it. Let me pay for it, Ron. No. Who broke it? Ron. Don has been awfully quiet. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, now, my God. Say Don, I, I broke it. It burned my hand, so I punched it. I predict 10 minutes from now, they'll be at each other's throats with war paint on their faces and a pig head on a stick. Good. It was getting a little chummy around here. <laughs> he says, it burnt me, so I punched it. <laughs> Uh, and my wife looks at me after that scene and is like, does this sound like anyone you know? Like, well, just a bit. Uh, no, and then the, another cold open with, with Ron is when he has a dental procedure, but he doesn't tell anybody. And he pulls his <laughs> tooth out and Tom passes out. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. That, that, that scene, I can't watch that scene. I'll just listen to it and it's hilarious. Yeah. I love this is this is all these seem to all be from the same general area. I don't want to get it twisted. I think the show is great start to finish, but like I said, three is my sweet spot. I love mm-hmm. the whole idea of little Sebastian. Like Oh jeez. It's just this out of left field funny stuff that funny people come up with. And it sounds so simplistic to say, but it's just like what? There's a miniature horse that the town loves and that Ben doesn't get it. Ben is us right. in this scenario, right? And everybody, <laughs> even Ron is obsessed with this little horse. Uh, everything about Lil Sebastian, including the song, which a few years ago I learned on guitar because I have a little too much free time. Oh, no. that I mean, it's that... <laughs> when, when, oh. See, this is what happens with these shows is your head starts to spiral from the memories when you think rethink of episodes but when ron burns off his eyebrows and his and his mustache and everything at the memorial oh that's awesome this show's awesome that is excellent i've always wondered if he like in what episodes his mustache was real and when it was prosthetic right because you could see when he came back from that it it was growing back but also didn't look like it was like normally growing back but it he clearly didn't have a mustache for a while. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So um, next thing we can talk about, post Parks and Rec questions. So I had on here what you thought or how you thought each of the characters, the cast members would handle COVID-19 and what they would be going through. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I honestly, I think it's a fantastic question. Um, that if the show would have kept going, you know, they did, they did the bird flu. They did the one episode where they did prepare for a a disaster of sorts. And this, this question has so many funny, if not obvious answers, because let's start right off the bat. We have a mask denier, don't we? 
uh, pretty uh, pretty confident in saying Ron would not be a mask wearer. Um, no, he'd just grow out his mustache over his over his mouth and use that. Exactly. I think Leslie reverts to being a hoarder again, having to spend the time uh, inside. Um, they, they kind of abandoned that whole thing, but Leslie being a hoarder, I thought was hysterical. Um, well, and if you think about it, I guess she cares about everyone else so much that that shows that she puts herself, uh, not, but she does not put herself before anyone else. So she doesn't clean her house, but she'll, she will get gifts for every holiday for every coworker. Yeah. I think, who else? I had some, I mean, Chris Traeger would lose his mind for COVID-19, right? Like <laughs> that'd be a terrible scenario. His body is a microchip after all. Um, <laughs> I think Ben kind of goes with the flow. Tom walks around wearing his, um, his helmet. Oh yeah. With the spritzel bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and if I really want to be morbid about it, I would say Jerry, Terry, Gary, and Larry passes away from COVID-19. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. They, they wouldn't know what to put on the, on the headstone. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here are my thoughts. I have, I have little scenarios for each person. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Leslie, I say, is 100% prepared. She has personalized masks for everyone. Every citizen of Pawnee has access to the vaccine before the rest of the country, but many citizens didn't get it because they don't like Leslie. And Leslie continues to soldier on. Chris constantly wears a hazmat suit. Uh, Jerry got the vaccine three times because they didn't know his name. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Donna has a mask for her Mercedes. April never gets it because COVID is scared of her. For Andy, Burke Macklin now works as a personal security guard for Dr. Fauci. Uh, Tom found a way to get Tom's Bistro's logo on every mask and every vaccine vial for no reason at all. Anne is, of course, administering the vaccines. Jean Ralphio thinks this pandemic is crazy. (laughs) And then Ben is famous for his virtual version of the cones of Dunshire um, spiking during the pandemic. Everyone's playing it virtually. There we go. You you put so much wonderful work into that. I applaud you. I will say, <laughs> I, I want to add one thing that Andy yeah. um, tells everyone that he took AstraZeneca and you find out that it's just Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> Oh, that would totally, totally happen. That would have that would have worked so well with this group, like the, the COVID nineteen. I don't, I don't mean to make light of the pandemic, certainly, but like you could just, you could just, you did it, you took it and run with it because it's such a good scenario. Absolutely, and each character is so unique that you can think of a, you know, a scenario for each one of them. But yeah, no, it's totally serious. But you have to make light of some dark situations, or you'll just stay in the dark. Absolutely. All right, so um, some other questions post Parks and Rec. Do you think Leslie would actually become president? This uh, this question bums me out so hard because <laughs> I think in the world of Parks and Rec, yes, Leslie mm-hmm. should, could, would become president. In our world over here, she doesn't mm-hmm. stand a chance. No, yep. I'd uh, vote for her. Oh, hell yeah, I'd vote for. Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, maybe I'll just leave it at that. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good to me. We're on the same same boat here. Yeah. All right. What do you think happened to Mark (laughs) Brandanowitz? I had such a, I have such a jerk reaction to this. And everybody says, everything that you read is that Mark's character was supposed to be written off and all of that stuff. And I'm like, nah, I don't believe it. No, just it, it just didn't work. And that's fine. You know, that actor will find other work. Not every character works, whatever. But I think Mark Brandanowitz ended up in like Lewisburg, West Virginia, uh, ended up in a town almost identical to Pawnee, Indiana, doing roughly the same thing. I think he's one of those guys that dates girls 15 years younger than him. And basically stays exactly the same mm-hmm. the rest of his life. Just just kind of 
does what he does in the town for four or five years and then moves on. Yep. Yep. What do you think? Yeah. No, I honestly, I wrote the question in here, but my response was, I don't know. I don't really care. Because unfortunately, his character, unlike the other characters in there, I just didn't feel he fit there. He was just, I don't know if he was supposed to represent maybe what most people watching it would, how they would behave, but I just didn't think that the, it was the wrong puzzle piece for this puzzle. Yeah. It's it's not his fault, right? Like right. on the on the one hand, I, I'm not going to blame an actor for something like this. Sometimes right. it just doesn't gel. But in a show that has such phenomenally developed and hysterical characters, who really is going to care about the sad sack, right? Right. Sorry. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and it, it was confusing because he tried to do nice things. You know, like he tried to help them with the what was that poster project they did? He tried to help with that. But again, his character was unfortunately not unique enough to to be in that kind of atmosphere. Yep. Yep. Um, did Ron stay with the National Park or do you think he gave up on it? I like to think he did. Like, it, uh, I, I can't think of anything better for him. I can imagine him shirt off helping put out forest fires and, you know, in, in moments that he would not like us to see, you know, bottle feeding a, a doe. And, you know, I, I can't think of a more perfect place for the guy. So if I want Ron to have his happy ending, I want him there. What do you think? Absolutely. Although I think he did find a way to kind of just have the same kind of position just on a national level. And he's letting everyone else do the work while he's doing the work that he wants to do, you know, bottle feeding the deer. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, crooning them to sleep with the gentle saxophone sounds. <laughs> or his, uh, his, his wooden flutes that he made for the end of the world. <laughs> the pipes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, do you think Chris will live over 100? I don't know what's funnier. If Chris, like, gets hit by a bus... Uh, you know, a, a day after the show is over, or if he does live past a hundred, let's let's. I'll be nice today. I'll say yes. He lives to be a hundred and thirty-one. There you go. That works. I say he lives a long, healthy life with Anne and her kids. And here's the other question: Do you think they ever move back? I think that they would. I don't think. I think Anne became close enough with Leslie that she realized I don't like it after a few years, and they moved back. I can't help but. Uh prejudice myself to this question my my family's constantly dropping hints that i should move back and i'm i'm the one that says no i'm good here so i hope they i hope they remain friends from a distance that's mm -hmm. my my two cents there you go i just it's guess i hate goodbyes so i want them I, i'm fine with the goodbye as long as there's, there's a quick hey i'm back but uh, I loved Anne and Leslie so much um, together, and it was more so Leslie loved Anne immensely, and I think I just love loved that part of their relationship. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's if you don't like the relationship between Ron and Leslie as much, the relationship between Anne and Leslie could could easily be your your favorite. It's so um, original and and pure and. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. All right. So we've gone on over a lot um, now, but I think I think it's quiz time. What do you think? Bring it on. You fell in the pit. I'll fill it in the pit. I'm super duper excited about this, but apparently you have quiz questions for me. I do. I have five quiz questions that I came up with that, that you know, as I said, just your average Parks and Rec fan can, can ace. And then I have some quotes and I wanted to see if you could match the quote to the, to the person. Ooh, okay. Uh, to, the, to the character, oh. rather. Okay, here we go. Um, I've got some questions for you as well. Why don't we do the grouping? So you ask me questions and I'll ask you questions. We'll do. All right. The first one is uh, there's no multiple choice. It's just a question. Um, okay. The map of Pawnee, Indiana is actually a flipped map 
of what real city? Muncie. And you're a genius. Yeah, Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, Terry, Gary, and Larry's favorite vacation destination. He, they, um, he owns a timeshare there. That's right. <laughs> you, you'll <laughs> certainly know the answer to this one. Um, another softball. Nick Offerman mirror the actor Nick Offerman mirrors Ron Swanson in what way? He's a skilled carpenter. He plays the saxophone. He's married to Megan Mullally in real life, or all of the above? All of the above. Your brain is almost as perfect as your face. Um, all right. This one, for anybody that hasn't done the research, this one might be a little harder, but I'll bet you're gonna know. Um, the writers of the show refer to it as if blank were a comedy. Days of Our Lives, The West Wing, Mad Men, The Practice. That would be The West Wing. And Anne is the greatest human being ever invented. Everybody, uh, <laughs> I guess people pretty famously know that Rob, uh, Rob Lowe was on The West Wing. Right. Uh, and I always would love, do you, have you ever been in a scene where you're walking and they're filming? Because I just feel like that would be really empowering to be in a West Wing walk scene, you know? Have I done walking? I've, uh, I've done a little bit of walking. I haven't done that style of walking. I mean, holy mm -hmm. moly. That, that scares me to even think about. Um, <laughs> question number four. You'll know this one too. What actor auditioned for the role of Tom's would-be wife, but was cast in another Daniels Sure project instead? Mindy Kaling, Kristen Bell, Amy Ryan, Ellie Kemper. Okay, I think I know this. I'm not. I'm honestly not sure, but I'm going to go with Ellie Kemper. You beautiful tropical fish. Yeah, Ellie yeah. Kemper. She would have been wasted as Tom's wife. She was so. She was <laughs> much better uh, on the office for sure. Um, all right, your fifth question. Parks and Rec predicted which event? The rise of cryptocurrency. Chicago Cubs World Series win, the Trump presidency, or COVID-19? Oh, oh they, uh, luckily it was the, uh, the Cubs winning the World Series. You're smart as a whip. Yes, and I, I gave this <laughs> quiz to my wife beforehand, and she's like, I could have any one of those. Uh, <laughs> could have worked. I was like, yes. Yes, they certainly could Now, the have. Simpsons predicted the presidency, didn't they? I they, think they did. They did. And there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of these lists and stuff that talk about, well, the Simpsons predicted this and that and the other, and some of them are kind of muddled, right? But the Trump thing is 100% accurate. Right. Uh, it's it's scary. A um, little bit. <laughs> but uh, do you want me to do the quotes now, or do you want to ask questions? Go for the quotes. I am I love being quizzed. I've, I never get quizzed. I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, this one uh, is easy, and it's kind of a mantra that I've adopted in my own life. Um, there has never been a sadness that can't be cured by breakfast food. That would be, oh, that could be two people. I'm going to go with, oh, <laughs> Ron. And you rainbow-infused space unicorn. Well done. That's yes. what uh, he's he's uh, trying to comfort Leslie as Anne is leaving town. Um, there you go. Yep. All right. I have never taken the high road, but I tell other people to because there's more room for me on the low road. Wow. I will say I know the lines in the office better than I do Parks and Rec. <laughs> Who would take the low road? Um, Tom? Poetic, noble land mermaid. Ticky ticky tom tom tom. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you're batting a thousand here. Um, next quote. I'm fine. It's just that life is pointless and nothing matters, and I'm always tired. <laughs> that would be Mr. Andrew Dwyer. You're right once again. <laughs> yes, and that would also be most of us a lot of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get that <laughs> tattooed. <laughs> this is the this is the only one that stumped my wife. Um, Ooh. I I have the toes I have. Let's leave it at that. 
That's Ron, isn't it? And you beautiful, sassy mannequin come to life. That is Ron. <laughs> That's an That's excellent he's sitting there in the, and uh, I have the toes I have. The next one. Oh. I call noodles long-ass rice. <laughs> There's a whole list of these. That's Tom. You beautiful spinster. I will find you, love. What? Did you say something? Love you. Well done. Just a couple more here. Um, she's the worst person I've ever met. I want to travel the world with her. Well, she's the worst. She's the worst person I've ever. Oh, I know this. Is it Jean Ralphio? Well, get that incorrect sound going because <gasps> we have our first one. Leslie, no. April no! Ludgate. Oh, it is April. I believe oh, she's she referring to Tammy One. Yes. Yes, that's what you know. Well, we needed to do that because I like to put in wrong sounds. Good, good. Don't beat yourself up either. Um, the next one. I promised myself I was not going to cry tonight, and I've already broken that promise five times, but I will not break it a sixth. <laughs> okay, this may be wrong. Is that Chris? That's correct. Oh, yeah! It's correct. <laughs> that was yeah, really good because I was like, Trigger. okay, no, e either that's a suspenseful pause or our audio cut out. <laughs> <laughs> no, suspense. Very well done. All right. This one is hard. Um, Maybe. You can trust me because I don't care enough about you to lie. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I, I know this. That is Ron? Leslie, nope. That is the great Catherine Hahn as Jen Barkley. <gasps> yes, it is. They're sitting at the booth and and yeah. they're at, yes. Oh gosh. Now that you say it, I'm like, of course. Oh. Yeah. One day Catherine Hahn will do something wrong, uh, but that day has not yet come. No, and I know you're not an MCU fan, but she's just in WandaVision, and she was awesome in that. I know the class I teach, like half my kids love WandaVision, and they have told me that I can't just go into it blind. So I'm like, all right, well, all I have to do is watch all 478 movies that lead up to this, so I'll get to this uh, at some point. <laughs> well, really, you could just watch the Avengers movies, and then you could watch it. Okay, I like that. Yeah, there you go. Just watch the first Avengers and then the Age of Ultron and then um, the two most recent Avengers and then you can watch it. So that's four. That I can handle. I can handle four. There you I go. just have to stop <laughs> rewatching all the shows that I love. So. <laughs> well. <laughs> all right. Is it my turn to get quizzed? Yes, it is, sir. Now I have 10 questions. Do you want all 10? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. What is Leslie Nope's designation in the parks department in the first season? And if you would like, would you? I'll go ahead and give you multiple choice. Um, director of Youth Outreach, Deputy Director, Director of Special Projects, or Deputy Planner? Since I don't know, I will say Director of Special Projects. Leslie Nope. She's actually the deputy director. Wow. Starting <laughs> off with a... <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Lord. Here we go. What is the name of Chris Traeger's psychiatrist? <laughs> Dr. Richard Nygaard. Oh, yeah! There you go! Yeah! <laughs> that one I knew. his first name. Oh, yeah. He only said it. 300 times. Yes, he says it 20,000 times. Um, how does Leslie find out Ron Swanson's birthday? It was on Facebook. She stole it from government documents. She bribes a Baskin Robbins employee or she looks in his wallet. She, uh, it, the Baskin Robbins. Oh, yeah. Good job. That's, that's another phenomenal episode, too. Him being scared the <laughs> whole time and then getting that wonderful Bridge on the River Kwai steak dinner. Oh, so good. 
I know it went completely with the character. And of course, Leslie would think of that. Why would I give you some, a birthday party I want? I'm giving you one you want. Yeah. All right. Here's one of my favorite things. What was the name of the calzone restaurant Ben wanted to open? The Calzonator, the Napoli Zone, the Low Cal Calzone, or Ben's Bistro? Is it the Low Cal Calzone? Oh, yeah! It is! Yay! Wow. Okay. I, I, okay. That one was a bit in the dark, but okay. I'll take it. <laughs> And then one of my favorite scenes is when they get food poisoning and it was because of the many calzones. And he said, as God is my witness, they are dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that made me, because it's like you said, you're just remembering all this stuff as we're talking about it. When he makes the claymation video and plays it for her and it is three seconds long, (laughs) that is like, that's everything comedy should be. And he's so, he's so upset. How could it not be longer? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the majority of it is just that the scene with the title on it. Yeah. <laughs> Stand in the place where you live. <laughs> oh, oh, genius. Okay. Uh, Anne tries to buy a JJ Diner's waffle iron for Leslie as a gift for which day? Breakfast day? Galentine's day? Talk like a Pittsburgh pirate day? Or waffle day? Waffle day. Leslie, nope. Oh, it's breakfast day. Oh, man. The semantics. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. I'll wear it. I'll take it. There's a foul tip into the catcher's glove. That's fine. I would have honestly taken Talk Like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day, even though it's the wrong answer. <laughs> right. Talk Like a Pirate Day. Talk Like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day. And why? <laughs> this answer. And why? Uh... <laughs> yep. Okay, um, what was the smooth jazz listening, saxophone playing, alter ego of Ron Swanson? Frank Davis Jr., Waltrip Williams, Lenny Lips, or Duke Silver? That would be the incomparable Duke Silver. Mr. Duke Silver! Um, The Parks and Recreation Department battles many different animals throughout the series, but only one of them was known to terrorize the entire city. Which was it? Do you know this right off the bat? Raccoons. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Um, And that was an amazing scene at the golf course when Andy tackles the raccoon. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tom was once part owner of the Snake Hall Lounge, where he once bought his very own custom alcoholic drink called what? Snake juice. Oh, yeah! Go, snake juice! That was a character in the fight episode. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another great part is uh, Jean-Ralphio's raps that don't actually finish the rap. (laughs) Yes. A big Ben clock. (laughs) Swanson's got swagger the size of Big Ben clock. <laughs> Man, you gotta end on the rhyme. Yeah, it's it's really silly how often I think about that. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so funny. Okay, final question. Ready? Ready. After Ben is fired, he spends all his free time creating a board game. What was it called? Cones of Dunshire. Oh, yeah! Yes, it is, Saya. Good job. Thank you. I got the easy ones. You had some good ones in there. I tried. I tried to get... I also tried to get ones that I love because I love the Calzone stuff and then talk like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day and all that stuff. So, Well, this has been super duper fun, um, Nick. I, I haven't watched Parks and Rec in a while, but you know what? I'm watching it again because... <laughs> You're reminding me of all the amazing parts of it. I know, right? It feels like, you know, spring has sprung. Uh, we're we're starting to 
get to the other side of this pandemic, I want some like comfort food. I want some good comedy and uh, Parks and Rec. I think that would be that would fit the foot the bill. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again for coming back. It has certainly been a treat and I, I don't care about how many tangents you go on. I will enjoy every single tangent. Well, thank you for having me. Let's let's do it again sometime. Let's talk about something else great. Absolutely. I'm going to hold you to that and 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 I'm sure our listeners will as well because I'm sure I've heard so many things good things about the last episode you were on and I I appreciate you giving us the time um today to talk about Parks and Rec. Well, it was it has been my pleasure. I hope podcasts are still around the next time we try to do this thing. I thought, you know, it seems like they'll they're you know, a passing trend, but you never know. They could be. Oh, I'll, could still be I'll keep going long after people don't listen. I'll have no <laughs> listeners and I'll keep going. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Okay. Here's the situation. Your parents went away on a week's vacation. They left the keys to the brand new Porsche. But they mine. Hmm. Well, of course not. I'll just take it for a little spin and maybe show it off to a couple of friends. I'll just cruise around the neighborhood. Well, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, of course I should. Pay attention, here's the thick of the plot. I pulled up to the corner at the end of my block. That's when I saw this beautiful girly girl walking. I picked up my car phone to perpetrate like I was talking. The sunroof was open, the music was high, and that girl's hand was steadily moving up my thigh. She had opened up three buttons on her shirt so far. I guess that's why I didn't notice that police car. I can't believe it. I made a mistake. My parents are the same, no matter time nor place. So to all you kids all across the land, no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. All right. Thank you, thank you. Just a little something I know. So what's up? Uh, someone is on fire in Ramsett Park. They need you to get down there right away. Oh, my God. 